0: Welcome to episode three of the Nerd Culture Podcast. I'm your host, David, and with me are the NCP crew, Richo. Hi,
1: everybody. Crystal.
0: Hi, Dr.
1: Dave. And Luke. Greetings, Cultural Lights. How's everyone? I'm doing all
0: right. <laughs> Keep it clean. This is G-rated. <laughs> <laughs> anybody,
1: anybody, what anybody are you insinuating there? there? As we are of... Foul minds or questionable morality—that's <laughs> exactly what I'm
0: suggesting. Now, I'm You're the leader of this troop, <laughs> i say. Yeah, and I'm the worst defender, but I will uh, make sure I keep it clean. Uh, so everybody's okay since the last podcast?
2: Oh well, yeah, I suppose I'm okay since the last podcast. I've yeah. only got to kill two people, so I'm feeling a little bit down. Since I got
3: that armory attached. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right,
0: this is getting freaky. I'm moving on. Freaky. <laughs> Okay, we've got exciting times here at Nerd Culture Podcast. Uh, we listened to your feedback, thank you very much, and uh, we've decided to change the podcast a bit. So instead of um, monthly, we'll be going fortnightly, and reduce the running time from an hour and a half to a maximum of an hour. So less of us,
2: but more often.
0: How can you go wrong?
2: We're now coming at you twice a month. That's right. Double your dose of Nerd Culture pleasure. Coming at you like a
3: jazz ninja. <laughs>
0: Coming at ya. <laughs> Howard Moon. Uh, so, Popcorn Junkie and Dust Jacket will alternate fortnights, and we'll headline the episode because they're the features that we have the most fun with, and you guys seem to uh, like the most. And and then we'll have other segments to uh, have the sort of fill in the podcast and that sort of stuff. So so first up on episode three, we have a sci-fi classic for Popcorn Junkie, the one and only Blade Runner. So for this installment of Popcorn Junkie, we're going to be doing the classic that is Blade Runner. Uh, we decided on doing a classic film because Blade Runner is awesome, and it was also because there was nothing out that we wanted to see. Um, you can take that as you will. <laughs> <laughs> we take that as there was nothing out worth watching so we decide to watch a better film. There was nothing worth paying to see. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: Also, so we're going to see. We're going to review the film that we've all watched at least fifty times. Yeah. Also, it should be pointed out that uh, unlike the rest of the world, <laughs> Australia has yet to get Green Lantern. That's and right. Won't get it for another month. The film we do want to see, we'll actually be reviewing in
0: episode five. So, yep, Blade Runner it is. So because a uh, Blade Runner is just a juggernaut of science fiction, so we're going to be devoting. This episode and next episode related to all things Blade Runner. So, the movie itself, plus the the book that inspired it.
2: Blade Runner, directed by Ridley Scott. Starring Harrison Ford, Ritka Hauer, William Sanderson, Daryl Hannah, Sean Young, and Uh, some other people. And some
1: other people. Based on the novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. Blade Runner is set in Los Angeles in the year 2019. Um, It's a dystopic, um, completely bleak uh, vision of um, humanity in which we've um, now delegated, delegated ourselves so much to machines that we've invented androids and we sent them off to do, send them off to do manual labour in space,
0: mainly because of uh, World War Terminus. Which, World War Terminus, yep. yeah, which has devastated the planet mm-hmm. and uh, made living on Earth a hellhole, mm-hmm. and just generally because we're lazy mongrels. Is,
2: the is World War Terminus actually mentioned in the film? Though? No, it's not. It's certainly uh, part of it's part of the book, but yeah, there is no. I don't no real think it's actually
1: mentioned, is it? No, no it's not. It's, so. it's, it's, it's th- just it's just that the world, you know, it's drought, rav- drought, yeah. ravage, plague, yeah, ravage, dark Yeah, there's certainly a animals and therefore the food the food um, um, supply has died out as a result. And yeah. yeah, there is certainly a sense that there is no not much water or moisture left in the world, except for the
2: ridiculous constant rain. <laughs> it's always so raining, raining but they don't yeah. drink it now do they <laughs> no. it could be but, acid no, again, Probably no, acid there's rain there's not a lot of this in the actual film mm. there's no, that the cultural sense in the film is well, that uh, uh, yeah I think you're right yeah we, we're, we're really talking about Dwayne Edward's dream of electric sheep here rather than the film like the, the real just, sense just get into it but the real sense you get in the film more than anything else is that there's been a certain social decay mm. um that there's still a high level of uh, rampant commercialism mm. and um, really business control mm. of society rather than p- political control of society.
1: Particularly from the Terrell Corporation. Yeah, exactly. Their,
2: and th- and that their dominance over uh, global markets due to the creation of um, the androids mm. um, and due to you know their involvement in off-world colonisation mm. has resulted in... Really, off colonization being the dream of every person, and uh, so therefore, humanity on Earth mm. has just kind of decayed socially.
0: Mm. It's um, a bleak, bleak time. It is Although a dystopic the future. They do have cool umbrellas. Yeah. It's
2: not
3: com- that completely bleak. If it was, I wouldn't really enjoy it because, but the road, that was bleak. <laughs> but the, <laughs> this I the really road, I hated drama. That. That's why. That's why. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: not a very good film. You know, no, not, not a single person like laughs in that film. No.
3: In
2: Blade Runner. In Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, ridiculous,
1: except for some evil
2: laughing
0: <laughs>
1: really, yeah. The story itself concerns um, a bunch of, a group of these highly advanced androids who have a four year lifespan. The Nexus 6? Um, the Nexus 6 models, um, played by Rodger Hauer, Daryl Hanna, and others. Um, who have escaped from... who have led a, blade, a bloody mutiny on, the, hum, on the, um, the off-world column that they're on and have crash-landed back on Earth. The police, because androids or replicants, as they're known as in the film, um, have had a, a bit of a history with um, revolution, have a police department called the Blade Runners and it's these Blade Runners, whose job it is to hunt down and kill the replicants. Or retire. So, or retire reti- the replicants. Retire. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that's what they They didn't call it murder, they called it retirement. Mm. Um, they go to what is considered to be the best black runner who no longer works at the department, Rick Deckard, who um, is sort of cajoled and almost blackmailed into coming back and doing one last job. If
0: you don't cop, your little people. Mm. <laughs> that's right.
1: Like Blackmail, and cajoled into doing one, la- one last job to hunt down... Um, and really, he's they they, they, expect, they right. don't expect him to survive. They no, just, they, they just wanted right. to hunt
0: down these these highly advanced Nexus Sixes, and if he dies in the process, well, there.
1: Yeah. And mm. you know, they say, yeah, but he's the one who's got he's got that special something. Yeah, that, but the old bleed Row um, magic, which, which, are, which are, with, without you know, either spoiling it or you know, trampling on stuff we I, I, I think we can safely say that we're not spoiling it. <laughs> um, we haven't seen it by
0: now. Um, goes
1: into you know, depending on depending on which version of the film that you um, that you favour um, plays out much, much later on. Um, and the rest of the film is about him hunting down the, um, the Nexus Sixes, it, through the course of which, um, he goes to the Tyrell Corporation meets Rachel, um, and performs the highly sophisticated, really cool voight Kampf test and discovers that she herself, um, is a replicant, and they manage to form, through some hardship, um, uh, quite a, an intriguing, um, I wouldn't quite say nice, because it was sort of one very suspect, in my mind, very suspect moment um, involving the two. Bit of a relationship. But they do they do develop a relationship in the end, and yeah.
0: Excellent. So it's, it touches on uh, such things as uh, technology versus humanity, uh, what it means to truly be alive, uh, life, death, uh, all sorts of crazy things notions <laughs> as themes as religious themes is everything it's got everything in this film and uh it's a must watch in my opinion um Richard European
2: well I think uh, one of the first things that I'd like to point out is just how despite how horrifying um especially Roy Batty played by Rutger Hauer just how horrifying the replicants can be they're their actual aim in the film, their their motivation is um, a desire for more life. I mean, they're only allowed to live for four years, mm. uh-huh. and they want to live for longer. They want to experience things. They they have all these wonderful memories of, of what they have experienced, and they want to continue to live.
1: Plus, in those four years, you know, that, and that's one of the nice things about Roy about his speech. You know, he talks about the experiences he's actually had, exactly. Um, and that's and it's a case of you know wanting to pass those memories on and wanting to have. More of those experiences, yeah. and one of the one of the key things about that is that you know in four years, you know I've seen things I've you know attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion, and he's seen more than actual humans have in, yeah. um, you he, know he has, over yeah. what thirty to seventy years of life.
2: And uh, yeah, and it, it gives you a real sympathy to them. Um, I mean, as as villains, you actually really feel for the plight that they're that they're undergoing, and, and as the film progresses. And as you begin to understand just the the depth of experience and the depth of memory that they have, you can't help but be moved by mm. by the mm. plight of, of these characters, and that's I think a real highlight of the film is that mm. the yeah. villains are so there's so much depth to the villains. So, I mean, what
0: is it like to live with an expiry deck? I mean, yeah. de- mm. like death is is a, you know a constant in the universe for all of us, but theirs is preordained from the start and uh, like very specific. uh, Mm. It just must be horrifying.
3: At the same time, you're not not left to forget that they are actually not human. There's a bit of mindless violence in there from them and and android-like actions.
0: But they did what they had to do to... Oh, no, I'm not disagreeing, but the, the film answers.
3: film does film portrays them as androids, not completely. Yeah. That you they're not mm-hmm. completely fooled yeah. that they're human. The, the, the no, you
0: know, I never said they were, but you yeah. know, it's, 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 it's there's no point to you try to fool you, the, the audience, that they're human. Well, the, the, the film wants to
2: highlight the audience. fact that's, that that's, they are different. That's not mm-hmm. the point
3: that I, that was the point I was making. Yeah, yeah. the film yeah.
2: goes to, to actually to some length to show that. Um, yeah, that they are actually different from humans. But that But it also
0: but it also shows that they're they're sometimes more than human. I mean they take the little well, they, th- they don't take the little things for granted because of their limited time. So they mm. they they embrace everything. I mean there's I mean they know that they're I mean some of them know that their memories are false but they you know they embrace them anyway because it's mm. something and, to hold on uh, to. Mm.
2: Yeah, and they are often presented as uh, more human and more humane as well. I mean yes yes, yes they're doing horrible things, yes they, they kill... But they're doing it for a purpose. Their purpose is to is to live. Whereas
1: it's, in their eyes, they're justified as survival as opposed to murder.
2: Yeah. Ooh. Whereas really, the humans are just like we're going to kill them because they're not like us.
0: So as uh, Luke said, they have come to Earth and uh, they're seeking an extension of their four year lifespan. Uh, that involves a visit to uh, the Terrell Corporation mm. and the leader and some sort of I don't know. A, how much power does this guy wield? I
1: mean, he's losing a giant... Well, almost, exe- almost executive supreme power. I mean, he's got <laughs> control to the almost the one business in the world that seems to be making yeah, he, money. He, everything.
2: Well, yeah, his, his lifestyle is presented as opulent, which is a beautiful contrast to the lifestyle of Deckard, mm. who is really living quite... Pretty ordinary. Yeah, quite... Not, not squalid. It's not much of a housekeeper. Such, but, um, yeah. it's, he's comfortable. And, uh, you know, J.S. Sebastian, who is living in... A Grand old theatre, yeah, which is which is you know basically it's, like uh, apartment it's
1: yeah. an apartment
0: yeah. building, this yeah. it's an apartment building, but, it's, but it's, partially,
2: yeah, it's partially flooded. Um, it's clearly been abandoned by everybody but him, mm. which is
3: clearly uh, goes back to the book,
2: yeah, yeah, mm. and uh, yeah, whereas Terrell, yeah, is presented as yeah, living this, this beautifully opulent lifestyle and really is the only one, so that mm. suggests at least that uh. Um, he has incredible power, mm. but he's also presented without a lot of really humanity. He's actually quite mm. a cold. Mm. So
0: character. he's the the typical businessman.
2: Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a really nice contrast to uh, Roy Batty, who you know, whilst normally the bad guy, is expressing more humanity than you see in Torell himself, or even Deckard, or even Deckard. Exactly right. Yes, Deckard—a very
0: interesting character. Um, It's—I I think it is, he's a magnificent character, actually. Mm. He's, and, uh, I really liked uh, Phil K. Dick. Actually, managed to see the film before he passed on, and he said that uh, seeing Deckard come to life in Harrison Ford's perfect performance was um, a dream come true and an almost supernatural experience, which is. Pretty amazing, but, but uh,
1: just to enjoy, we, we had we that reaction of the film as a whole. you actually thought that Ridley Scott managed to capture what he saw in his head on screen. Yeah, I mean, as, as we'll
0: cover later on, it's quite different to the book. But uh, when the, the creator is uh, so impressed, you know you've done you've done a good job. Um, there were some critics though. I mean, some some critics of the film when it first came out.
2: Well, the film yep. the film actually wasn't. Success, Ooh, success at all when it was first released it's it's actually really developed over time into being considered a classic and in fact in some people's minds the best science fiction film ever made
1: mm-hmm. or number two or number three yeah. it, it's, it's, of, it's of, always in the top three
0: yeah,
2: yeah. and uh, yeah, which is really fascinating because the film was uh, actually not a financial success at all. It wasn't really a bomb um,
0: but not too good. No um, yeah, um, and, it, it uh, certainly picked up momentum
2: um, later on with the release of um, yeah, home theatre DVDs. Uh, yeah. and, and then, at those days. Yeah. And then later in the 90s with the release of the Director's Cut which um, yeah. added a whole other uh, element and a whole other level to the story. But wasn't it
3: released with stuff that it kind of buried it? Um, E.T.
2: was 82. Oh, so it was E.T., yeah. Mm. So E.T. would have been... Yeah. And E.T. E.T. Was, would have been a big There was definitely a move philosophy. too. Um, there was a shift from Star Wars onwards um, through, you know, Superman and Raiders of the Lost Ark. There was a shift away from... Uh, I guess the more so cerebral approach to, um, you know, to science fiction and genre films towards a more blockbuster approach, um, mm-hmm. which Blade Runner doesn't embrace. Blade, Blade Runner is a very cerebral film. Um, there is it's um,
1: also very dark as well. There's not yeah, a lot of color yeah. as opposed to say Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, which you know, yeah, have.
2: and and ET and the the sort yeah. of more popularist films of the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's it's easy to understand how it might have sort of. Um, gotten lost. Slipped through the cracks. Yeah. Um, there's
0: also a bit, in terms of, uh, like I mentioned before, critics, there's, uh, some people just thought it was just a, a soulless sort of film. There's uh, mm-hmm. too much emphasis on the technology and and the sort of world, whereas mm. the character sort of got sort of short-thrift, which um, I, I disagree. I, guess I can't I don't disagree with
1: that. You've got to remember with things like, particularly back then with criti- with science fiction was still seen as a bit of a... um, um uh, by the bottom of the pile genre, and so there wasn't in the mainstream a lot of a lot of understanding as to what science fiction actually was.
3: possibly that the, um, you could possibly come to that conclusion if you didn't watch it all the way through you sort of the first three quarters of it there's not a lot of humanity shown, hmm. and people who aren't used to the science fiction worlds would by that time maybe be being put off by by it and not really paid much attention hmm. to the end of it yeah.
0: I agree. Everyone, yeah, like, in science true. fiction would have been, it's you know, Star Wars, so, you know. Yeah, but I you know, mean, it's adventure. Its lack world. of humanity is its humanity. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It yeah. just, just, it shows, but see, just the, where humanity is
2: going.
3: But none of the characters are really sort of lovable, like your Luke Skywalker and your yeah, Han yeah, Solo and, and this isn't lovable Yeah.
2: Power converters. Screw you. Luke Skywalker's whiny but by Return <laughs> of the Jedi he becomes likeable I don't
0: know if he's even still likeable he's just he kicks ass that doesn't mean he's likeable <laughs> anyway that's an discussion well, I can't discussed past Star Wars
2: another <laughs> time the additions that were made in the director's cut um, that lead you to you know the, the greater questions of what humanity means and um, leaves you questioning Deckard um, as a character and what his role in the story is and hmm. uh, um, whether he is a replicant or not, um, I think that also helps to add an extra layer to the story and to the meaning, and to give it that extra sense of um, humanity that early critics might have thought was missing from the original version of the film. Because suddenly you're questioning the main character and his motivations, and his his existence is being questioned. And uh, plus, it got
0: rid of the uh, the studio interference thing. So. I mean, gone is the voiceover. gone is the uh, the driving off into the sunset, uh, yeah. happy as Larry type stuff. Uh, so well, I
2: assume I assume the voiceover was just an attempt to give it a a, a film noir.
0: No, actually, the voiceover was actually because the two the two people who did most of the financing just
1: flat out said, "We just don't understand it." We've well, got to look at the film as well. Oh, it's just because the look of the film is actually Stone. is one of the um, the most influential aspects of it, and no, no, we hadn't actually seen a vision of the future. Oh. And it's not just pretty pictures; it looks like every single L aspect of you know architecture and society had been meticulously um, thought out. I mean, Sid, my Me- that, that opening shot of Sid Mead's model mm. still has to be one of the greatest opening shots in cinema. Yeah. With the fireball his, coming his, up. Yeah, and and his, his,
2: his, it, it describes it on his website as his hell landscape. Mm. Oh. And I do recommend anybody to actually check out that website because it's absolutely brilliant and just a, a, a masterclass in um, production design.
1: But that's that's sort of also been one of the other um, influential aspects of Blade Runner, which is um, the look of the future itself. Just about every single sort of futuristic, um, dystopic future has te- has been you know had come with the prefix Blade Runner, inspired by. Yeah. It. Yeah. Well, th- you can um,
2: certainly see the influence in things like The Matrix, in the Matrix with the sort of darker, bleaker uh, sort of look and feel that uh, that, that has. And to
1: a certain extent, Dark City, although Dark City does get a bit more expressionistic.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, well, you can definitely see its influences in, yeah.
0: in just about every, every uh, <laughs> dystopian science fiction film, and not even science fiction. It's, uh, it is, it's very impressive stuff. One of my favorite things about it is just how many themes are in this film. I mean, it's just it just leaves you thinking. I mean, I've seen it uh, at least fifteen times. I don't know. I mean, Richard's I mean, probably even doubled that. I mean, it's just, it's the originals and the, the final cuts, and just you just get new themes every time. So I, just, I watched it again recently, and for this podcast, I, mean, I probably didn't need to, but I did. Uh, Crystal and I watched it, and uh, one of those I noticed was that I've seen noticed before was the Christian sort of uh, religious uh, symbolism mm-hmm. in the film. The replicants themselves are kind of, a sort of uh, fallen angels. So they were created in the the form of man. They were created by man. They're off world. They fall to Earth. Uh, when Zoro gets shot in the back, she gets shot on both shoulder blades, almost exactly the same. So almost like her wings are being removed. Uh, Batty is sort of a cross between Lucifer Christ. I mean, he's the the stigmata with the nail for his hand. A sort of Halt the degeneration process. Um, the dove that flies off mm-hmm. uh, when Jesus was anointed, the dove comes down. Whereas he's the dove flies off to take his spirit to heaven, and it's just, just amazing. <laughs> it's plus his White
1: House thou forsaken me moment. But, I know. Yes. yes. The, the, the when, nice when, he, when he confronts, he his literally gets to do it instead yeah. of you know being yeah. metaphysical. Exactly
0: right. It's just uh, it's just it's just amazing stuff. And as uh, so as Luke mentioned, uh, the opening sequence is just. Uh, Masterful. It's just, mm. it's absolutely brilliant stuff. And uh, it also introduces one of the other things in the film, which is eyes. So mm. it starts off with, you know, a giant eye, uh, which eventually becomes an eye superimposed over the ziggurat. So mm. the, which then, of course, you know, symbolizes the all seeing eye. Um, and then it's throughout the film itself. So when they go to see the Asian man who actually makes the eyes, mm. you know, true. We, true, that's right. So, you know, if you could see what I've seen with your eyes and just, mm. and uh, it sort of captures the, the so the, the Asian belief that eyes are the windows to the soul. E- e-
2: even the uh, uh, the void camp test uh, itself soul. involves actually focusing on the eye on the and eye. registering, um, you know, emotive and involuntary responses within the eye itself. Mm-hmm. So there, yeah, that, that's very much a theme that runs throughout the entire film.
0: Oh, it's also a dead giveaway for the androids because yeah, their yeah. eyes flash red.
2: Yep, including mm-hmm.
0: Deckard's. Yeah, yes, um, which is interesting. Which is but interesting. we'll get to that in.
1: And then, of course, Batty sort of sums it up with "I've seen things." Hmm. Yeah, you know. So whilst it's not a direct visual reference, it's there's a, a literal reference there. Thank
2: yeah. you. And yeah. Batty's death scene—I've got to say—is just one of the finest no, deaths me, I've ever seen in a film. No, for me, um, it's the finest. I, it's um, his his it's monologue. Mm-hmm. His his monologue at the end there reveals pretty much everything about the character mm. in, in just a few lines and, uh, and and really does sort of give you that mm. incredible sort of moving, emotive connection to the character. Mm. Um, it's the
0: final point where actually, even though he's the villain, you totally sympathise. Absolutely. And it's like, well, I mean, you, you know, I mean, he saves Deckard at the end because he wants Deckard to remember him. Yeah. So he'll live on in Deckard's yeah. memories. But he's also
1: and, passing on his own memories to
2: Deckard yeah, as well. yeah. It also sort of comes back to uh, the religious theme as well of um, of o- almost him martyring himself, yeah, sacrificing himself the, to the android cause. That's right, um, to the replicant cause.
0: Uh, yeah. No, I totally
1: agree. The uh, yeah. it's, the end sequence is
0: it, absolutely brilliant,
1: and which is kind of re- it's also kind of remarkable because beforehand we've had about what five ten minutes of death, violence, and destruction. Yeah, We're I mean, I mean, basically almost
2: trying to kill um, um, our
1: main character. Then one. <laughs> really nice moment of serenity almost
0: I also like the fact I just because just, I'm a man I suppose just Banny just absolutely annihilates it. he
2: just doesn't <laughs> take a chance it's just, what I'm confused about <laughs> is
3: why the lycra pants
2: well you know he's a he's a handsome man he's an impressive he uh, specimen of manhood <laughs> yeah. that uh, but, needs but, to be shown but why the lycra pants <laughs> then, maybe that was the fashion of those days I must admit the, probably the first time I saw the film I probably went, wow, why is he wearing those weird (laughs) (laughs) bands? But by now, I've just come to accept it. But other than that, a brilliant film. So, uh, (laughs) Blade Runner, ratings out of Luke's? Uh, Without a doubt, five Luke's, and it definitely deserves its place as one of the top three greatest science fiction films of all time. In fact, I'd put it number two. Ooh, Crystal. 4.5. 4.5?
0: 4.5? Just like the pants. pants yeah. the, point the pants. 5. <laughs> 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 um, I like where pants take up half
2: a point. I should also point out too, I am referring, my five stars goes to the uh, director's cut of the film. Oh, very good point. Not to showing. the original version of the yeah, film. The can, original so version so would we'll probably get four, mm. but uh, the director's cut without a doubt, five. Yeah, okay, we'll have uh,
3: both original and director's cut. Yeah, well, I haven't seen the original for a long, long time, so maybe four looks for that one. Well, the director's cut one would be 4.5. Cool.
1: Look. Five for the director's cut. That's one of the few times that i will actually say that. Um, and the original cut, um, yeah, I'd give it a four. Awesome. Uh, the original, yeah, like, same as Chris, I haven't seen it for a long time,
0: but I saw it multiple times, so I'd say, you yeah, know, maybe four. And uh, the director's cut, uh, 4.75. What? Only because... That sequence of Zora when she dies, running through all the stuff in the slow motion. Like, That's iconic. Oh, it's so crap.
3: No, she looks I, like a man.
0: It's terrible. No, they, they, the final cut cleans it up with the man, so mm. thanks for mentioning that. But, but uh, no, it's just, it just goes on. Oh, just, I'm sorry,
2: what, what kind of rating is 4.75? <laughs> well, it's,
0: a, it's four looks and then three quarters of a look.
3: So it's just I'm sorry,
2: weird. Luke, don't do three quarters. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't realise we were breaking it down into percentages. I'd, oh, I'd like to go back to my previous reviews and get them, you know, 3.672 recurring. Yes. Alright, okay,
0: five out of five. <laughs> five looks out of five. But I still
2: hate that sentence. I'm, I
3: still managed to get away with my 4.5.
0: <laughs> yeah, but 4.5 is different. Mm. And that was Pokemon Junkie. So for this installment of Warren we're going to again be covering all things Blade Runner. Uh, and of course, the most important question that everybody who sees the film needs to ask themselves and uh, have an opinion
1: is, is Deckard a replicant? So to kick it off, we'll go with Luke. Okay, the argument starts not with the original cut, um, but it starts, I mean, and it um, officially really starts with the director's cut in which um, the suggestion through the use of through the insertion of the unicorn um, flash, the unicorn dream, and then that tying into you know picking up the origami unicorn at the end um, implies that uh, Rick, um, that Rick Deckard may in fact be one of the missing Nexus Six replicant, replicants, and he himself has been hired to um, hunt down his own kind. Um, if that were the case, having said that, um, I do believe that during the shooting there were um, discussions, quote arguments, quote. on-site fist fights between Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott because Ridley Scott actually firmly believed that Deckard was one of these things himself and that's why you've got things like the um that shot of Deckard with the red eyes um in the Tyrrell Corporation and that linking through to all the other shots of um you know those uh, replicants um having red replicants or artificial life having red eyes in their shots as well um he believed firmly that Descartes was a replicant, and that's what—that's what part of what his vision for the film was. Harrison Ford actually b- firmly believed the opposite. He believed that you know, if the Nexus Six guys are the re- are the bad guys, then your audience is going to have a hard time feeling any sympathy for or empathy for the main character if the main character is perceived to be one of the bad guys anyway.
0: Yeah, he actually says, "I thought the audience deserved one human being on screen mm. that would establish an emotional relationship with. I thought I'd won that." Uh, argument with Ridley, but in fact, I think he had a little reservation about that, and I think he really wanted to have it both ways.
3: Um, (laughs) I think he won. He got it both ways. (laughs) He absolutely (laughs) got it both both ways.
0: Uh, But then uh, Ridley, uh, again later on in 2007, Ridley said that uh, Descartes is a replicant, and Mm. he believes Harrison's basically just doesn't care anymore. <laughs> he's just yeah, given he's, up. He's Harrison, he's up Harrison <laughs> Ford's moved on. To Harrison, Ford, as,
1: Harrison Ford stopped caring practically as soon as, <laughs> almost as soon as he got off the set and then certainly after post-production. <laughs>
0: well, Harrison he sort of, he's, lost he's, interest. he's definitely, I mean, you're right there, but he's definitely softened a bit as, as he's gone on and, uh... He I mean,
2: certainly he's... has a better reaction to Blade Runner than he does to say Star Wars That's these right. days. <laughs> exactly right.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, it was, a, it was a terrible shoot for all involved, uh, but, uh, He's, you know, he's a, he accepts it in the mm. place of his uh, his list of films, and mm. and that he actually thinks that it's a good film, which is uh, pretty amazing. <laughs> he hates every <laughs> other film he's done, <laughs> except maybe Mosquito Coast. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so yeah, so is uh, is a replica? Yeah, I mean, yeah, good points uh, you made they Luke, the the eyes, the flashing of the eyes, and all that sort of stuff.
2: But the um, the great thing with the flashing of the eyes, though, is that um, it happens in the Tyrell Corporation building. Exactly, and there's it's and there's, there's kind of dodgy. Well, it's it's the wonderful thing that they do in the film is that they establish that the lighting yeah. in the Terrell Corporation building can be adjusted. However, Terrell wants was. to adjust it, and That's the, right. and so therefore, when that the the red eye scene happens, there is sort of a question too of well, was that actually his eyes or was it just the lighting yes, in Terrell? Uh, Terrell um, uh, totally
0: actually because because funnily enough, uh, Rachel's eyes don't flash
2: exactly. Exactly. Whereas the we, owls and does. We are, yeah. So we're absolutely established, no shadow of a doubt that Rachel is a replicant. Five minutes later you <laughs> know Rachel is a replicant. Yeah. So it's it's so, I actually
0: um, think it's just a, a trick of the light. And mm. uh, I think even Ridley really himself has actually admitted that that, yeah. that. that he didn't do the red eye on purpose mm. for Harrison. So mm. I haven't got any proof of that, but I think pretty sure that's what he said. But well, that's certainly what um, other people have have said. Oh, like, for sure. into it. Yeah, but yeah. but but what you touched on was the uh, was the unicorn. Mm. So that mm. yeah, so you're definitely right. So that's actually not in the original version. Um, there are some things in the original version that people have even grasped as well. Uh, so even before the director's cut came out, of course, the question of whether Deckard was a replicant was, was around. So a couple of things in the original version um, is Deckard's flat is full of photographs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. None of them are in colour. So they're all, this is a, you know, the far future, and none of them are in color all black and white. Um, and replicants have a taste for photographs. So Leon, as, uh, as established on the film, actually risks being arrested in order to go back and try and get his photographs, but of course he can't because Deckard's in his apartment. And And Descartes gets them anyway. And Deckard gets them, yeah. And so so replants like photographs because they give them an emotional tie to their past.
2: And there there is an interesting thing too with those photographs, not just the black and white, but the photographs themselves, look incredibly out of date like yeah. they look like photos from the Way maybe ago. from the you know from the 30s or 40s. 40s the
0: picture of the woman is clearly from
2: the 30s yeah. Yeah. even, so even more like so like now that we in this
3: digital age of photographs it's, it's 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 kind of weird for someone looking at it for maybe for the first time now when everybody's got a digital camera yeah. Mm. Yeah. and also
0: yeah. also yeah. Uh, uh, some of the, the photos not that far off anyway yeah. 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 some of the photos actually don't match so you got people yeah. but so different yeah family groups that actually aren't the same yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, um, yeah
2: which really does and yeah which sort of really does lend to the idea that it's all manufactured and mm-hmm. actually kind of badly manufactured if they give him 100 yeah, year old photos and claiming that it's his mother you know? Another,
0: another one is uh, the scene where Rachel asked Decker whether or not he passed the voight contest test himself and doesn't get an answer um, mm-hmm. of course you can translate to that to him just being a prick but, uh, Well, he uh, a bit of a brute. Yeah. <laughs> <There's no laughs> being secretive and not actually wanting to, you know... Yeah, it's really none of her concern. I mean, she's the test subject. But, yeah. hey, it could also be because he just doesn't know. Um, and that Gaff, um, who's shown no sympathy for Deckard at all throughout the film, and in fact, is being absolutely absolute mongrel to him, uh, tells him, you've done a man's job, sir, after Roy expires, but, uh, then lets Rachel live, even mm. though he knows where Rachel is. Um... It's uh, some interesting points. I mean, of course, then of course, as Luke said, that the director's cut inserts the unicorn dream, the unicorn origami, which is a clear correlation that Gaff knows Mm. what Rick what uh, Rick is dreaming Mm. about. It's never actually stated, but it's pretty obvious. Um, Whether it's obvious that he's a replicant, though, is a different story.
2: Well, there's also, I think, too, the actual relationship that Deckard has with Rachel. Um, I mean, he, Descartes doesn't seem to be able to connect with any actual humans mm. in, in any way in uh, in the film. Yet the one person he does develop a relationship with is actually a replica. Uh, actually,
0: that's not true. His relationship with the first Blade Runner that gets shot by Leon is actually friends with him.
2: But it's never really shown. I mean, that's he's already dead. It, it's kind of stated that they're friends, but he doesn't really have. I mean, he doesn't seem, you know. Um, He's not shedding tears or anything <laughs> the fact that the guy is dead. Doesn't shed tears over anybody. Not not, emotional thing. Is that's he? the thing. There's not a lot of emotion there, and yet he forms this emotional con- connection with a replicant. Mm. Um, and as I think Luke pointed out, He does shed the, tears? Yeah, interestingly enough. And as Luke pointed out in the um, in the movie review, their relationship is bizarre. I mean, it's there's, there's no real sense of great sort of connection between them
0: there's no real romance no
2: um, which then leads to the suggestion that perhaps what is bonding them is that they're both replicants and that deckard relates to rachel because she's a, a replicant as well which is kind of just lends itself well, it's, to the it's, idea that maybe his is. lack of
0: empathy is a is a big a bigger uh, flag because yeah. uh, i mean the whole, the, the void contest test is based on empathy so yeah.
2: and, the, and the only empathy he feels is towards replicants and yeah, he even—that's
1: for- that, when this is why I sort of think their relationship is a bit weird because, um, during the moment where they actually do start to connect, he forces himself upon it.
2: Yeah,
1: um, almost yeah. it's, its not you know bound out of and she relents, but you know it's not out of mutual interest. Yeah. She spurns him, and he, you know, physically pushes her against the wall. Yeah,
0: it's he- not a sort of very <laughs> very <laughs> sensual sex scene, well, is it? It's a, but,
2: but it's, it's not, scary. It's, it's not meant to be. It's meant yeah. to be, mm. but it's also—I mean—it's asserting a really uh, almost a lack of humanity mm. on Deckard by his right. actions, mm. which, once again, you know, it's well. There's two ways to interpret it. Um, you could always interpret it as well. He sees her as a as a machine, mm. and so therefore yeah. forces himself upon her. But yeah. I certainly don't see it that way. Yeah. I see it as his 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 attempt to try and make a connection with. Somebody.
0: About as close as they get is when she's lying in bed, asleep.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, removes yeah. the covers and, that's you know, that's about as close as they get. Even when they're running for their lives, he shoves her in the elevator. It's like, dude, you know, gentle. <laughs> but uh, some uh, interesting, interesting uh, opinions from those involved. Um, we've got Philip K. Dick, who, of course, created the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote the character as human, which we'll touch on uh, in episode four, when we review Do Andrew's Dream? Uh, Hampton Fancher who is a legend <laughs> he's just <laughs> hilarious um, just to, just on a side note it, it's just uh, the final cut comes with oh, I actually think even the director's cut if you buy the DVD or Blu-ray comes with Dangerous Days yeah, Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous days. days documentary a must watch yeah a must-watch. It's, yeah. it's almost as good as the Predator making of documentary. Uh, <laughs> but for, different, for different <laughs> reasons. It's <Just laughs> more insightful, Adam. You, it's just... Uh, you yeah, have to, have to you know, learn things to the with the film. size of people's biceps. Pushing too many pencils. Um, no, it's dangerous days. It's a must-watch. Actually, uh, Chris and I watched that after we watched Blade um, Runner recently. And it's just it's just brilliant, brilliant stuff. And uh, Anthony Vanjoo is in that. God, mm-hmm. he's a legend. So the Thank original you. screenwriter... Uh, oh, because there was obviously some uh, extra work by other people But he was the original uh, He said that he wrote the character Deckard as human But wanted the film to suggest the possibility that he may be a replicant So I like asking the question And I like it to be asked But I think it's nonsense to answer it That's not interesting to me Which is basically his response to everything <laughs> It's <just> nonsense
2: <laughs> But it's an interesting point he's making I mean yeah. you present you present the idea to the audience yeah. And then like what we're doing here You let the audience work out for themselves Whether actually
0: We're just don't think you need to know. Just like Rama and what Rama's doing, you don't need to know.
3: What I think is an interesting question to ponder that if Descartes actually is a replicant, then how did he get to be a Blade Runner? And did he just fall into it, or did someone manoeuvre him into that position and someone overlooking what he's actually doing? Well, that is a
0: damn good point. I'm actually, I actually am a big fan of the fact that he is supposedly retired and yet gets called in for one last job but if he's a replicant, then doesn't mean doesn't that mean he has only a four-year lifespan? If he's Nexus Six, then where has he been all this time? Well, How does he not remember this?
1: There are there are two ways to exactly look at right. it. right. that is a, that is a great that is a great point to make. The first one is that there's always been the suggestion that he's actually one of the Nexus Six that have crashed, you know, with Roy Batty and um, Pris. And are just um, in the the extra replicant. That's one of the yeah, things. The, there's the, always the missing replicas. There's, missing been, been, there's always but been. But the it's final cut it, gets rid of that. Yeah, the final cut gets rid of it. But that's one of the things about the original cut is that you know how many are there. There's one of the, the on six. Set, the six replicas. The six, oh, one about. of the um, the things about uh, things that happened on set was that apparently um I forget the actor's name. The guy, the his captain, gets the numbering wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah. that led to is all sorts, sorts of conspiracy theories. <laughs> um, so is he
3: hunting himself?
1: So hunting effectively. The other sort of theory that's been, you know, that's made the rounds is that um, Gaff, um, Ed, played by Edward James Olmos, is the actual Blade Runner mm-hmm. um, who uses Deck, who uses Deckard the replicant, to go as, as, um, as a, his weapon of choice mm-hmm. to hunt down the um, the other ne- Nexus Six. So that um,
3: good boy. yeah, he's like a sniffer
1: or a yeah. Gaff doesn't have to actually ha- put himself in harm's way. He's got the weapon to go and do that. And if he takes out maybe one, fine, there's one that less that he has to deal with. But, you know, Which would
2: explain to get why down. he
3: knows what he's dreaming.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's an interesting point uh, in that, in that, um, you know, where it is stated, you know, that Deckard's retired. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, as we know, retirement—the retirement. word retirement, "retirement" is actually a pretty important uh, word in uh, Blade nice Runner. It has has nice multiple avoid. meanings here, you know. Yeah. So maybe he is a uh, replicant that has been retired, retired so and will... then perhaps patched up and reactivated for the purpose. Well, not of... even that.
0: Not even that. I mean, like I mentioned in uh, Pokemon Junkie*, I mean they don't they don't expect him to live yeah. to survive the encounter. I mean, like yeah. I said, I mean, Batty beats the crap out of him. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, like I think you're. I think you totally, totally hit on now, So it's it. He is actually he's being retired mm. in this process, mm. so he's doing all the dirty work for them, and they get you know one less replicant to worry about. So, yeah, you're totally right there. Well,
3: um, there's a lot of it's like a Hollywood scene. Um, there's there's got got retired retired guy who um, he's the only one that can do the job. You so must come back and work for us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's got to do that one last job. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. True, but it just it just takes on sort of a potential deeper meaning here because they're already <laughs> using the word retirement to as a means of basically saying we kill these people or these replicants. So, um, well, okay.
0: So the uh, final I, word. I mean, I don't know. We obviously we don't know for sure cause nobody does. But uh,
1: if anybody, nobody has any other points. I am sort, well, sort of interested. I was sort curious to know because um, we have talked about you know Deckard being pro replicant here or well, pro Deckard as replicant, I should say. Um, what are the anti decard as a replicant points? Guys, have just become deccard is just well, think, a replicant. Uh, well, it just I think
0: it. the um, I was already mentioned that the light, the red eye flash was mm. not actually intended. Mm.
2: Yeah. I, I think um, the the addition of uh, the unicorn dream mm. and you know Gaff leaving the um, oregano... Uh, origami origami. Yes, that's right, he made it out of origami. Um, <laughs> no, the origami um, mm, unicorn at mm, the mm, end. Mm. I, I think that that... To me, it's almost a little bit too obvious in saying that, yes, Descartes is a replicant. Mm. Because it's, just, it's Actually, essentially saying Gaff knows what record, what uh, Descartes dreams, and so therefore the dreams are implanted and the memories are implanted. I think that that... It, it, it's probably a little bit too obvious um, in the director's cut Actually, think it's
0: something completely different. I actually think it's uh, Deckard's psych report or something like that mentions the fact that he sometimes dreams of unicorns.
2: But unfortunately, there's no actual discussion. On that. But there's no actual mention. No, of, of course, there is, but there's no exact anything.
0: mention that he's replicant either. So you can, yeah, it's all part of the conjecture.
2: No, I, I actually mm. think I actually think it is made uh, pretty evident mm. that Deckard mm. is in fact replicant
0: so the final words uh, you pretty much said yours definitely a replicant
2: definitely a replicant no doubt about it in my mind he is 100% not real <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm very happy with the possibly I'm, I'm happy with the, the ambiguity yeah. of it
0: okay so you have no opinion the the way You're, just, you're happy with I'm it. happy
3: to ponder both both possibilities I like your style I like that
0: on the fence Chris
2: no, I, I want forget this neutral stance. I want an answer from you, Switzerland, Crystal.
3: But I like bo- I like pondering both possibilities. It, mm. It's like a could year old adventure. Ponder,
2: which one have you pondered more towards? <laughs> Sarah, leave, leave her alone. She, if she wants to be on the fence,
0: and she's
1: cool with that. I'm cool with that. Look, okay, um, um, I sort of take a bit of both camps. Um, I like, I think that guy is replicant, but um, I take Crystal's point that the ambiguity actually works the, of the statements works the strength of the film and you know they don't actually come out and directly state you know no one accuses Rickard of Deckard of being a replicant which I think is one of the best things
3: interesting you both called him Rickard now yeah that is weird isn't it
0: um for myself um I'm kind of similar to Luke and Crystal's I uh I think he is well yeah I I do think he is a replicant but I wish he wasn't (laughs) so (laughs) actually I mean why uh, because I, I agree with what Harrison says that uh it just... It would be easier for the audience to relate to... Because he's really not a nice character. I mean, he really is an absolute prick. And uh, if, if it'd be easier to relate if he is human. Mm. Um, but that's only because of the limitations that we sort of have, I suppose. I mean, it's, I, I have no problem relating to, to Roy, who is mm. a replicant. But I think
1: that's the thing. If you've got Roy as the person who you're relating to, that creates the interesting thing. Well, you're rooting for the bad guy. Yeah. And the supposed good guy. You yeah. actually... It, that, 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 that's, mm-hmm. part, that's part yeah. of what Descartes' not, journey is. It's going from being a cold, burnt-out person to being someone who's a bit more fully awake and aware. And as we've discovered in the film, the ones who are yeah. actually the more, most awake are in fact the replicants. I'm, I'm also well, glad
0: that Harrison thinks that he's human because he then acted that way. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what... Which sort of adds, a adds a nice, Yeah, yeah. Adds, yeah. A adds a nice. But, to, uh, in, term, but in terms of the actual evidence itself, I, just, I think it's pretty clear <laughs> that uh, Ridley
2: got having, his way. Having, mm. having said <laughs> that, the... The only other really sympathetic human in the story is actually uh, Sebastian.
0: Sebastian, yeah. Yeah.
2: The interesting thing with Sebastian, though, then also, is that the only people he can relate to are also the replicants. He doesn't relate to humans in any way as well. So so we're we're relating to the replicants. Deckard, if he is human, is relating to Rachel. And really, that's the only really... Strong relationship he has, mm. and Sebastian seems to be able to relate to replicants as well.
3: But we don't see him come into contact with anyone, even though so I have um, Terrell. Yeah, Terrell, Terrell, and but their relationship and who is can, no one can relate to Terrell. <laughs> <laughs> so above everybody.
2: <laughs> well, that's maybe point. maybe it suggests there, and I know I'm sort of uh, going back on my own uh, deckard is a replicant theory, but um, maybe the suggestion there is that. Um, you know, that replicants are actually, obviously, more human than humans are these days. Yeah. And that humans, therefore, can actually only really relate or feel sympathy towards replicants. So, therefore, maybe Deckard is a human, but like all the other humans in the film, he can only relate to to a replicant and only feel sympathy towards it. Oh, well, you already said replicant. So get so th- down you know, I still stand by my claim, 100%. There's, this, 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 there's
3: the strength of the entire movie. You can... It, Gives you many, many things to ponder because watching the movie isn't the end of the experience. It, keep, it keeps exactly going. Right.
2: That's exactly right. You're awesome.
3: I know. Yeah, that actually as a thank final you. as a
2: final word, that was perfect. Keep that in the
3: podcast. That I'm
0: awesome and awesome Warren. Thank you very much, everyone. Yeah. Hey, us. Descartes he's a replicant. One hundred percent. Cop that, Harris. One hundred
3: percent. He doesn't care anymore. But we care That's all that matters It's fair enough I it's actually
0: kind of respect Harrison and his, his opinion to his movies is like I just, I'm just paying the bills <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome uh, Coming up next We've got Coming Soon Okay now that we've changed To a fortnightly uh, schedule Coming Soon's are going to be A lot shorter than they were Previously In fact, uh, there's only one film coming out between now and our next episode that is uh, relevant to us. Some of there's obviously other ones. Uh, It's a pretty interesting Mozart sister movie, which is Mm. pretty cool, but uh, not really relevant to the website. Uh, So the only one we've got coming out is the 13th of July. uh, The final instalment, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, part two. Anybody excited? No. No.
2: <laughs> I actually haven't seen any of the other twenty-seven Harry Potter films, so <laughs> um,
0: I, I'm actually kind of excited to see how it all ends. I mean, I've I haven't read all the books, but I've seen all the films, so except for one, so I actually watch one and two together, and uh, I think part one of Deathly Hallows that is. So uh, yeah, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But
2: I don't know how it ends anyway. It's kind of the end of a. It's a, a huge accomplishment In the era I suppose yeah. And the, you know, the Harry Potter Even before the films From when the books Were first released The, the Harry Potter Juggernaut It's a big deal For films I, I, it's, yeah. And uh,
0: it's It's very impressive I mean whether You like him Or don't I mean it's just It's an amazing accomplishment. So yeah, I agree. It's not
3: m- not particularly my cup of tea, but I'll watch it if it happens to be on. I'm mm-hmm. not going to go out of my way to watch it, but I yeah, actually and respect the sure.
0: fact that they split the, fa- the last film into two. I, I mean, a lot of people, have, of course, it's you know Cash Cow and all sort of stuff, and yeah, yeah, I mean that's obviously true. But I mean, the well, book you, is huge. Yeah,
3: and you don't and want a ridiculously want to long film.
0: It. So I mean, they did cut a lot of out, of out of some of the other films. They did cut a lot of stuff out, and so you know they've you know they've made the effort to. Get hey, what, out to, what,
1: what do kids this is a kids' film. What do kids care? They yeah. get you know, oh good, good. Another Harry Potter film to look forward to,
2: you know. Of course now the studio is left having to find uh to find a new franchise to replace this guaranteed cash cow that they've had for the last ten I'm years. I'm sure it'll live on an animated film. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Hobbit Potter spin
3: offs Hagrid the movie or something. <laughs> 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 Hagrid
0: should Hagrid should join the cast of The Hobbit. <laughs> Well, everyone oh, else is but in the hospital. Everybody else yeah. is and I don't mean the ca- I don't mean the guy that plays Harry I mean Hagrid. <laughs> <laughs> Crossover.
1: That would be awesome.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Harry Potter. I'm <laughs> sure. Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Potter.
1: <laughs> in one of the meetings at New Line or Warner Brothers, they just went, hmm, you know, we need to keep this going to some... No, to nah, Warner, Warner Brothers are
0: fine. They've got Justice League now, so that's fine. So they've got their superhero movies. Which, Except... Oomph-
2: They're having real troubles getting Justice League off the ground
0: it'll happen eventually If Avengers is a hit, I can assure you (laughs) Justice League will happen (laughs) Okay, so just before we finish off uh, In our previous podcast, we had a competition So we reviewed, the Dust Jacket review was Rendezvous with Rama And we had a competition to name the city in the middle of the island That was in the middle of the
2: sea Wow, that was confusing. <laughs> I was there at the time. <laughs> the
0: first, the, basically the first big city type place that they find in the middle of the island when they go across the ice sea. The answer was of course New York and the winner randomly chosen with our uh, very modern and technological numbers out of a hat is Therese Baldwin. So, Therese, thank you very much for entering and for getting it right. <laughs> and, yeah, well uh, done, Therese. Sorry if that question was a little confusing.
3: <laughs> well done for working out the question. Yeah. <laughs> the important
1: thing is that you've shown us how smart you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, further further competitions,
0: uh, future competitions uh, and questions will be <laughs> not as confusing. <laughs> I apologise. But, well done, Therese. Um, so, if you'd just like to pop us a, uh, a mailing address uh, in, in an email, that'd be awesome. And a uh, brand new copy of Rama on its way to you. Congratulations. Well done, terese So that's it for episode three. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, it's been very stimulating discussion. Blade Runner, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, stay tuned next episode, episode four in two weeks' time for as we continue our Blade Runner, well, yeah. you know, esque, I suppose, uh, theme with uh, do androids. Dream of Electric Sheep in our Dust Jacket. You excited, Richard? I'm very excited. Done your research?
2: I've done all the research you can imagine. I had to read in it again. In other words, I've read the book. I had to read it
0: again for the podcast, <laughs> and uh, I've never read it again ever in my life.
2: Well, that spoiled the next episode right there, <laughs> hasn't it? Yeah, so it stay wonder- tuned, If you're wondering what Dave thinks, well, don't bother tuning <laughs> it, because now <yeah>, you know. <laughs> stay
0: tuned for an exciting episode. Thank you very much.
3: Bye. 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 <laughs>